Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, now living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Sure, you should know my voice by now. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to you from Beijing today. I'm sitting right across from Jason, which is lovely. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. We have talked a lot about business, a lot about quitting, about quiet quitting. Quiet mm. quitting is, I guess, I guess in the West, quiet quitting is like laying flat in China, right? When I saw this episode, I was like, oh, it's really timely because there is a new concept that is being talked about on social media in China. What is it? Which is called mentally quit. <laughs> you know, for people who can't really, for, for example, maybe people will know where I work or where I don't, but I'm not going to name my company. It is very draining. McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> it is. <laughs> she is not just the fry Sorry, cook. She is the head fry cook. We're, rec- we're recording at lunch hour and McDonald's, the sound of it's making me hungry. <laughs> company that I work at is a little exhausting just because of the nature mm-hmm. of the business. But for me, it's paying my rent. It's paying for things that I want to buy, all the McDonald's I want to eat. <laughs> so I can't really just quit because we have to think about our just, financial situation. Just so you know, we are joking. She works at a major business, not McDonald's. <laughs> Okay, go on. McDonald's is a major business as well. Okay, so mentally quitting. Yeah, so you can't really quit because of financial reasons, Mm -hmm. and you have to think about your career growth for those of us who want to think about doing this, right? Because I'm not doing this. (laughs) You're not doing this. We're talking about someone else. Yeah, not us, not Jason and Alex, absolutely not. But if you are in that situation, you can't really just say. This work is so it's called, training me. What is the Chinese for mentally quitting? Yeah. So just like resignation, like you resign, you, you quit. And Jingshan is like your your spirit, your, your attitude, your mental. Yeah. So like people are like, here's a way for you to just mentally quit because you still need that paycheck. You still need this job to advance further. But this job is either just too boring, too tiring, too valueless for you. OK, what is the actual physical process of this Chinese version of quiet quitting? What do you do? You sit <laughs> in your cubicle and you like watch watch YouTube videos. It's actually exactly what we're going to talk about today. OK. For you to mentally quit in Chinese corporate culture mm-hmm. or in Chinese popular corporate culture mm-hmm. nowadays, what you do is the first step is you leave the company exactly at the hour. Uh-oh. If it says <laughs> working hours from 10 to 7, you step out at 7. Mm. You do not stay for a minute longer. You just leave, even though you know that there's I more like stuff I, to be I done. I didn't know that was not appropriate because I've been going <laughs> home when I was supposed to. <laughs> I, I went to I went to this other animation company the other day uh, with my boyfriend because he had to do like a creative meeting. And we stepped out of the conference. We were having a really, you know. How long are you supposed to stay? Depends on how we're defined supposed to. (laughs) You're (laughs) supposed to only stay until seven. But everybody, it's just so much work. Hmm. And so for me, I'm used to like not leaving office. So you're supposed to be working 45 hours instead of 40 hours? (laughs) It's probably more than 45 (laughs) Wow. This is actually news to me. I mean, I knew that some companies, special companies have this 996 thing where like people are working crazy, insane hours. They're just, they don't have a home life except Sunday. But I did not know that people were supposed to stay an hour late every day. Legally, these companies are not allowed to require their employees. It's a quiet culture about it. It is because there is just that much, you know, there's just that much work that needs to be done. Are there work behaviors that are negative during work time that are associated with this uh, quiet quitting or a mental quitting? This is my thing. This is not other people's thing. I am a weird Chinese person who doesn't take lunch break naps. Oh, I don't either. But, you know, a lot of Chinese people, a lot of Chinese people do. Even when I was in high school, I was not used to just going back to the dorm to my friend's dorm and take a nap. Like I would never be able to fall asleep. So nowadays, like I work, I see there's a lot of nappers. And it's actually quite a funny scene. Like people, there are uh, rest lounges or whatever you could go into, but there's only five really comfy chairs that you could sleep in. Other people just sleep at their desks Mm -hmm. or they sleep on the couch in the, in the, in the corridor, in the hallway, and they sleep in different, like 
like a variety of positions. And it's yeah. really funny. It's I, not healthy. I actually think I'm going to go back to the company and take pictures of these lunch nappers. <laughs> I will not show their faces. I mean, but just to show you. What do you, what do you mean by bringing it up? You don't take a nap. So that means that you can leave on time. I, I still don't leave on time, but oh, I, I feel you're a late stayer. You're talking about the people who do this. Yeah. For so me, sleeping at work is a form of quiet quitting. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I guess I'm not comfortable doing that. I feel like if I fall asleep, I won't wake up in an hour. <laughs> I feel like that will be me protesting a little bit. Well, you know what I've noticed in American articles about the new trends for quiet quitting, a mm-hmm. lot of it is doing the absolute minimum at yeah, work. Yeah, same here. So you just slowly process. So say you're a checkout person at yeah. Walmart or whatever. You just slowly do your job. There's no reason to go uh, fast. If there's a long line, well, that's just too bad. They it, should, they should should have hired another person or they your should put, problem ain't mine exactly so when the manager's like we need to go faster you're like see those two empty registers over there what you should have done sir is, is put, hire two more people have two more people there and so it becomes a, a thing about just doing your job instead of doing your job as efficiently as possible because hey, hey you're paying me eight dollars an hour this we is what this eight dollars an hour looks as well like, like at yeah. work um when one of the younger employees was saying that i am working too much or I cannot take on new tasks that you're assigning me. Her manager said, oh, why don't you compile a report of everything that you've done on a daily basis? And she compiled a report and then he goes, "Um, I think you could do all of the tasks you listed here in just 50% of the time that you used. Like you need to improve your efficiency. That's not possible. (laughs) It's not a very smart way of looking at efficiency because you can't, efficiency is such a hard thing to define at workplaces, but it's being used so very often. I think People use performance metrics and then what they mm. do is they look at the average and then they take the people who are above average and use their work to define the people below that for everybody else for everybody else they look at this other person they're able to meet this other metric that you're not meeting and so they use some people who perform very high to put pressure on people who perform differently and yeah. so then everyone has to do their job in the same way to meet the metric which doesn't necessarily mean doing quality work it just means means doing quality work that can be measured. Yeah, exactly. You're listening to The Bridge. I work really hard at work. Mm. And that's why I feel like, okay, going home at a time. I don't feel like that's quiet quitting. For me, the idea of like quiet quitting means not working hard, doing the bare minimum of work. And I think a lot of people are frustrated because their wages are low. Maybe this is less at a corporate level. And maybe Mm. it's more like people who work in retail, people who work in service industry where they're paid minimum wage. So if you're going to pay someone, I don't know, in uh, one of these flyover states, I'm sorry, (laughs) you know, $4 an hour, you're going to get $4 an hour out of it. That is crazy. Yeah. And I, I know that a lot of people, the, one of the words that are being abused in the corporate culture that I really hate is take ownership of your job. I'm like, <laughs> I refuse. I don't have, I don't own things that I do mm. at work. When I create this Excel sheet, it belongs to the company. It doesn't belong to me. Yeah. I'm not the owner of anything. And if you think about, like you just said, if people are getting paid $4 per hour, and if you ask them to take ownership of their job, that's even more ridiculous. And it makes so much more sense if they're just doing whatever they're paid to do. You know, the reason I bring this topic up again, because we've talked about similar things before, is because there are new angles. So firstly, I want to cover some terminology. So laying flat, Mm. (laughs) let me see if I understand this correctly, because this is a Chinese term, not a Western term. Laying flat means not being employed. It means, no, am I wrong? Laying flat is basically giving up on competing with your peers and trying Mm. to excel, like just being comfortable with who you are. So you're like, I work at a cafe. I'm a barista. Great. Yeah, exactly. Instead of, oh God, look at what everybody else at my age is doing. There are this, this and that, and I have to work harder. And you're kind of creating unnecessary burden for yourself. You might be making more money. You might be advancing a little bit, but you're actually making it harder. And laying fly also is used a lot on young parents. Mm -hmm. I have to work 15 hours a day because I have to make sure that my kids have a better future. Can I ask about that? But can we look at it from another perspective? Because this is not a cultural thing where all Chinese 
Chinese people are suddenly doing this. This is a, a certain segment of the population that has chosen this perspective. <laughs> Will they regret it in 10 years when all of their peers are like executives? I think it's a matter of whether you're making a genuine decision of mm. laying flat or if you're trying to do that because you're giving up on things that you're doing. Because I know people who have, for example, left uh, the mega cities they were mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. or they're trying to make a career and yeah. because they're like, you know what, I could just do things I want to do and live a comfortable life at the same time. I yeah. don't have to be in Beijing. I go to a fourth tier city. Exactly. I moved and, to Guilin. I, I moved to Nanning. I open a cafe Nanin, there and right? I'm happy. Exactly. And happiness comes first. And I will be happy. I'll be healthy. I will still be able to support my family, myself. Mm-hmm. For those people, I think in 10 years, they will look back and actually be happier than yeah. some of their peers who decided to just go on with the struggle because everybody mm-hmm. believes mm-hmm. your future is in this mega cities. Um, but if you're just doing it because, oh, my God, work is so tired, it's so it's so exhausting. I, I don't know why I'm doing mm-hmm. all of this hard work and everybody's laying flat. So I'm going <laughs> to lay flat as well. If you do that, I'm, I think in 10 years, you're going to definitely regret the decision. <laughs> <laughs> so, OK, some people will be happy and some people won't. But that's just life. So going to America, we had a um, a remote work, a flood of remote work that happened in the last mm. few years. A lot of people moved to smaller towns and now yeah. people are starting to turn around a little bit and mm. come back a little bit into the into their work environments. And so you also have this plague of jobs, small jobs <laughs> that are not able to be filled by people who are no longer looking for employment. Yeah. So we ha- we're seeing all kinds of new demographic changes that are massive in China and in the U.S., So I bring today a fresh perspective that kind of surprised me, and that is how going above and beyond at work became required by Megum Tatum on Mm. the 23rd of September from BBC. And in this, the author waxes about, you know, very (laughs) widely about how in their culture, everyone is working extra. Super hard. Everyone is working (laughs) super hard. This is the culture. Everyone is expected. And, you know, I've worked in a corporate environment like you Mm. for many, many years, climbing the ladder from position to position and trying to outdo my peers in my in my metrics. So you can get the bonus. You can get the promotions. You can get the leading the way. Yeah. The higher raise every year, all that. So you can keep growing the amount of income that it is like that. Mm. So it's confusing. I think because we get laying flat, yeah, remote work, yeah. You have quiet, quiet, quit, quitting. quiet quitting. You have people refusing to return to work, and they have remote workers who may not ever return to the office. Yeah. And then you have the flip side <laughs> in some aspects of corporate culture where people are working frantically, yeah, where they're not just trying to look busy, but they are heck of busy. So what is actually going on? You, this is, I think your field a little bit. Yeah. You are somewhat of an expert in cross-cultural communication and you work in a big corporation now. What is, what does the playing field actually look like? Because if I read the media, it, I read different stories saying completely opposing Opposite, things yeah. about what is actually happening in the work environment. This is actually a very interesting article to to read and uh, this disinformation is new to me as well because when, we, <laughs> when we think about people working in other countries, especially Western countries, we think, oh, they're all going to leave the office at five or six that are not going to work. You know, they're not going to go above and beyond mm-hmm. because that's just, you know, they're doing what they're paid to do. Mm-hmm. So it's it's actually good to know that this is a problem or this is something that people are discussing in another country as well. In the company that I work in, because we're sort of an international operation, we, we deal with this kind of clashes where people that are working in the United States or in the UK, they try to they fit in kind of the traditional idea of what working culture is and mm-hmm. they don't like they won't be so understanding as to schedule a meeting that fits our time zone where mm. um, we have to we don't have to stay up late. It's kind of the flip side sometimes that mm-hmm. we have to wake mm-hmm. up super early or mm-hmm. stay up super late mm-hmm. to attend meetings. I personally for for meetings, I am OK with it because it's cross time zone. I understand there are people who are very unhappy about this aspect. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who will do everything within their power to meet the needs of their international counterparts. Mm-hmm. The playing field has always been filled with different ways to approach what it means to go above and beyond or to just even function normally within an international corporation. And the people that I work with, I know people who would give the company 150 mm-hmm. percent mm-hmm. even when we go out and have dinner this is one time we we went out and we had um uh, someone who works for 
not for like a gaming company. Our company is not a gaming company, but mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. same like work that is of the same nature in two companies. And this one person from our company, it was a very, it was a casual dinner. It was like friends of our colleagues um, that joined it, uh, joined us for dinner. And this person from our company was just prying on how they manage their work in their company, how they strategize their mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Every single question she asked was about their work to a point where the other people felt like you're, why are you prying on the, it's almost, it's, it's getting really close to business secret yeah. of our, of our company. But for, for the person that we work with, for the person that was asking questions, that's just how she's built to be. Yeah. She thinks about the company all the time. She works all the time. Um, it's not even about whether she's thinking of, about this from a strategic point of view. Mm-hmm. And she would be on meetings from like eight till 12. Wow. Every day. Like if you need to talk to uh, people in the UK and talk to people in the US and other countries, mm-hmm. she would just, she would just do it. And for, for people like that, quite some people like that in big companies, and I'm sure it's going to be the same for other big tech giants Mm. as well and Mm -hmm. those people those people will never i they will never lay flat (laughs) well you know i tried something similar for a while during the pandemic a lot of the people that were working for me left china and Mm -hmm. we were trying to work with them because we at that time we thought they were coming back in six months and whatnot Mm -hmm. so i started i was working remotely working at home and and under uh quarantine like everyone pretty much everywhere Mm -hmm. and uh i was taking calls at four in the morning and then in the middle afternoon from different countries and then late at night and you know one or two days is fine you know to meet your counterpart halfway at a really strange time to be up really late is fine yeah but when that becomes your weekly routine it is insanely stressful it is so because you send someone a message on some sort of social media platform or an email or something yeah. about trying to confirm the time if they don't confirm right away there's the stress of are i staying up until 4 a.m yeah and they're gonna be there or they're not gonna be there and it becomes so taxing absolutely and that's one thing i mean i did work in cross-cultural collaboration for a little bit and we're like oh we need to find ways to solve these problems but sometimes deep down i'm like is there an actual solution to this problem (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think it it is important to work hard i feel like if a person joins a company and they're compensated well Mm. i'm not talking about minimum wage folks i don't know their experience i haven't worked for something like that since i was 17 yeah but if you're being giving given a salary i think you should you know do your job competently but i also don't feel like work-life balance should be this 996 thing that used to exist or exists in some companies it's just that's not healthy People should go home and they should be with their kids or whatever. I don't have kids, but people should be able to go home and be with their friends, even with their friends or sleep or watch one Star Wars TV show or that's what I watch Stranger Things. Okay, you watch Stranger Things. I watch Andor. Andor is the new Star Wars. Okay, I will check it out. It's the TV show stores. It's okay. I didn't (laughs) like some of the recent Star Wars iterations, but this one's great. I'll check it out. But speaking of the, you know, being paid enough, a lot of people, when we talk about our job, some people would be like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're getting a good salary, so you're supposed to endure all of these. I think that's right. You should. When you're at work, you should be there like a work machine, like helping your product get where it needs to be. But of course. then it's time go to home. not do that. And so people would be like, oh, well, you're getting uh, you're getting paid a lot. So, you know, if you're taking 4 a.m. calls and then 12, 11 p.m. calls, that's just what you're getting paid to do. Personally, I'm starting to feel like there's never enough money that is going to just destroy my social life and my the rhythm of how I want to live my life. You know, I feel like you're a bit different. You're a bit of an outlier because, mm-hmm. you know, I have hobbies that are like hobbies for me, like going and doing photography is not something I get paid for. Yeah. It's not something that I could just, I could stop doing it for two months and then yeah. do it a lot or yeah. whatever. It depends on my schedule. But for you, you're, you, how did you put it? Slash culture? Yes. So you have all these other things. You're a comedian. You work on this show. You work full-time as a corporate person. Yeah. And you have other engagements as well. I like dance dancing. Salsa, yeah, yeah. salsa. So you have, some of those things you're engaged in, there are actually profit mechanisms. Like a comedian, comedy, you get paid sometimes <laughs> for some, not, not, not a, you're not, not making bank or something. Not at all. But, you know, I feel like you are incredibly engaged. You're an incredibly engaged person who has a lot of energy and is highly engaged in the community across Mm. a vast field of different kinds of things. I don't, I certainly don't have the energy to do that. (laughs) I'm telling you that ever since I joined this giant corporate, I I haven't been as closely active as I used to be in the, the comedy sector and in the dancing sector. I have... 
just been if you look at the time every day that I have, yes, sure, I could run to the last dance class or I could run to the open mic, but it sucks up so much from you mentally working, <laughs> you know, um, at a company like this. You just can't, you just don't have the mental strength to go and engage yourself in all of these other aspects of your life that used to be very important. You're listening to The Bridge. I want to talk about people who work in jobs in the United States because um, I want to talk about myself. Firstly, I got a master's degree. Mm -hmm. I had a bachelor's degree with graduated magna cum laude. I had two Mm. two associates degrees. At that time, I spoke four languages, which I don't anymore. (laughs) Um, But I left for Korea for one year. I came back. I was like, okay, let's see if I can make it in the U.S. a little bit. Yeah. And uh, I got a dead end job and like working for a major company just Mm. like um, in retail. It was terrible. And that's all I could get San Francisco. At wow. Time. It was, it was after the financial crisis. So there wasn't a lot of, uh, entry level positions for people who didn't already have experience in particular fields and things Yeah, because I'd just la- finished laying off like a million people or something. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe, you know, this isn't for me, but I could not see myself being happy doing that. And I, I could barely pay the rent and I had to live with other people. Mm. When I look around at media about the United States and people's experiences right now, that's what it looks like. People living to with a roommate or with roommates mm. in apartments that they can barely afford. Yeah. People can't buy. A lot of people can't afford to buy homes. A lot of people are being paid really low wages. And I think mm. it's 6.3% increase in wages over 20 years. Years in the United States. That's crazy. So not 6.3% a year. Over that over entire period. That of entire time. period is 6.3 increase. So I imagine what it's like for someone working in a retail job 40 hours a week, or maybe they have to do these two part-time things where they work 30 hours one place and 30 hours yeah. in another place and they don't get benefits and the companies are deliberately trying to save. And God forbid if they got sick. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, if I was in this position getting paid, I don't know, what is $7.25 an hour? That's a national average for federal minimum wage. Mm. Like, why would you be motivated to work hard? Exactly. And then <laughs> like, if you, especially if you, sure. Especially if you think about that, oh, after, if I work super hard at this job, I have the next job to go to. Yeah, exactly. You can't possibly have all of that right. energy to be like, I will contribute myself to this job that I'm doing. And, then, you know, this is just some people. Imagine you're a single mom or single dad. You have a kid or two. Yeah. And you have to go work a 40 hour work week. Plus you have your part time and then you don't even get to see your kids who you're doing all this for. And you have to pay extra because you can't have time. You don't have time to attend to your kid. Yeah. And, and you are already angry because you can barely pay the rent and your kids don't get to eat the things that they want to eat or you can't send them to the school or you can't bring them somewhere nice or you don't have the time to they have a school play and you can't Mm. go to it and then your manager is over your shoulder like why aren't you you know working faster why can't you work faster like I could see not wanting to be engaged I totally agree. And I've always felt like the retail business isn't something that I don't need people to be excelling when I'm even (laughs) on the receiving end of the Mm -hmm. services, you know, just to just just fulfill my um, requirement when I come into a store and that's it. I don't need extra stuff. Like I don't need you to be like, oh, this is my new mechanism that I came up with to make my job um, more efficient, which they ask you to do a lot in big corporates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're in a big corporation, you have upward mobility, mm. you know, okay. You do a good job. You have, you make a good network. Eventually you can move up and you can keep doing that for a few steps. At least if you work at like a grocery store, yeah. what, what's, what's the assistant <laughs> manager. And then that's pretty much it maybe. Yeah. So like, that's it. That's the end of your career path. Pretty much. So you become the assistant manager of the grocery store in your town. And now you are at the height of your career path at that place. There's, again, not a lot of motivation built into the system for them to excel at yeah. like bagging groceries or something. Re- yeah. And retail is just such a different line of business. People are like, sometimes you go and you're like, oh, they didn't have a you know smile on their face when they're receiving <laughs> customers. I'm like, you try and stand there for 12 hours and... Did you see the movie Office Space? 
I don't think so. And in the movie Office Space, which is very much about this, about like being asked unreasonable demands of people who are not being paid, compensated well. Yeah. Uh, The main character, the protagonist meets a lady who's working at a restaurant that is meant to be like a lot of chain restaurants in Uh America. She wears all these buttons. Her manager comes up and says, oh, you need more flair. And Flair being uh-huh. in the in the movie, meaning the amount of buttons that she has on yeah. her, the amount of pins that have like smile and and like uh-huh. happy and whatever on her, and she says, "But I have the minimum amount of buttons required <laughs> for my for my job." And she's like, "Is the minimum what we should be doing?" Like, so it's it's just the movie is making fun of these unreasonable demands that are made of people who are making minimum wage, and like, yeah, I'm sorry, but like, if I think corporations could let's go back in time. Hmm. Henry Ford, <laughs> <laughs> the the you know the guy who founded the Ford company, who made yeah. the Model T. Yeah, part of the genius of his brilliance was not making cars for everyone, but making mm. but paying people enough that those people could afford to buy cars. Wow. So, yeah. So like pe- his employees made enough money that they could buy a home, that they could buy a car, that mm. they he created consumers for the things that he was manufacturing. And so that's what's missing from America today. Mm. The people are no longer able to afford the lifestyle. The things they're working for. Yeah, the things yeah. that they're working for. So if we if the Amer- if America wants to my America wants to survive, what they need to do is Raise minimum wage. I mean, I guess we're not supposed to be a political show. So I can't officially say that. <laughs> I would think that if you want to incentivize people, they should be able to enjoy a basic life where they can pay their rent, where they can get basic medical care, where they can, you know, go to the park on their mm. day off. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to put a little bit more of an entertaining spin on the direction we're going. Have you seen the show uh, called Undercover Boss? It's sort of a reality reality show. I've only seen the one where they make fun of it. Uh-huh. And he shows up and he pretends <laughs> to be like a stormtrooper. <laughs> and then he gets mad at people and kills them and stuff. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> no, but go ahead. Tell, it, tell us about it. I haven't seen that particularly. For those of you who haven't watched Undercover Boss, um, I don't watch the show itself. I watched like the recap version on, mm-hmm. on, on Douyin or the Chinese TikTok. So basically the CEOs or founders of really big companies, let's say like Arby's, Foot Lockers, and all of these other really big corporates or those, you know, Froyo plays. Yeah. FMB places, the CEO would go through this very exaggerated makeup process to make sure that people don't, don't recognize, recognize them. them. Usually that involves making them look like so much bigger than they are and then like mes- mustache or fake teeth or, <laughs> you know, glasses, of course, and then like wigs or make them look bald when they had hair. Mm. And they would go in as like, you know, um, entry level employees. Yeah. Like, oh, hey. And to justify the use of camera crew, they say that we're doing corporate will tell them that there's a reality show and we are sending in just a a normal ordinary person here who has no experience of doing this job and then employees that are at that location have to be their mentor and they document Mm. their interaction (laughs) throughout the day usually they would have three or four people being the mentors and you really see a lot of the real American life struggles on that show they're either rewarded or reminded and rewarded if you behaved badly on the show like if you're just being really dismissive mm. and you're teaching them the shortcuts you could take at work and not you don't have like, to put two pickles on every hammer exactly <laughs> it, it's a, it, i'm pretty sure that's an actual line from that show that someone <laughs> really said usually if you're one of those employees at the end of the re, you know when the, the final like revealing moment comes you're like oh i am not old todd i'm your boss gordon ramsay you know something like that <laughs> and the employee is visibly freaking out but they're like okay why did you tricked me i'm suing you for psychological damage you know what they could do that but the thing the way they kind of press that down is that okay you shouldn't you're not supposed to do that you shouldn't have done that but i am going to implement either this kind of program to help you learn or like you were doing that because you actually have to support kids and you Mm. can't just fulfill your working hours i'm gonna cut your working hours i'm gonna help your kids yeah but that's one person i I feel sad because there's millions of people struggling from these so this okay can i interrupt i apologize i feel like we should do the same show but they have to have an apartment Uh with a robotic child 
that needs to be taken care of. <laughs> and, or they have to pay their bills uh-huh. for six months on an apartment where they have to live. And they have to live off of this wage. And they have to live off of this wage and try to pay their rent. Yes. And, and attend to, to their kids. To, and tr- try to take our... Yeah, they have... We I don't know. We can't use real children for this. So <laughs> we have two adults who have to pretend to be children that they have to take care of. Oh. Who will, in fact, need help and say, Ooh, I would Daddy, love Daddy, to, I need help with my homework. I would love to be that <laughs> pretending child. Think this would be funny, though. You know, this it would be like a like like show six months of doing... Doing this, and now you survive. Now they're going to ch- create changes because yeah. one or two days working as one of their employees. Ha ha ha! That was some fun cosplay. Yeah, exactly. It's like a Halloween party. But kind of the moral from that story that I really mm. get is you really see a lot of people who are working these jobs, like retail jobs or admin jobs, that seem so boring to a lot of people. Mm-mm. But they're really putting their hearts into it, mm. and at the same time, they have a lot of difficulties. They have a lot of hardships they have to overcome in their own life. Mm. But you know, you look at those people, I guess they're going above and beyond. <laughs> I'm concerned about the the kind of society that we're setting up because I feel like all the values that I was taught as an American growing up were the values that everyone should be able to buy a home. Everyone should be able to take care of their family. This is, the, yeah. this is a goal for everybody. And then I look around at the reality of the situation and that's not what's happening. And it makes, it f- makes me feel disheartened, even though I've made it, I'm okay. When I see my fellow, you know, American folks not having made it, mm. struggling, not being able to feed their families. So I think is one in six children miss a meal every day in America. It's crazy. I I just, it doesn't make sense to me. America is supposed to be the wealthiest country in the world, especially per capita. And somehow people are still falling through the cracks. And it just makes me think, what can be done to correct this kind of situation? But I guess, you know, for these, the the issues that we're talking about today, quiet quitting, going above and beyond, what it seems like quiet quitting is affecting people who are getting less income. And it Mm. seems to me like going above and beyond are for people who have opportunities to move up. That is my perspective. True. If I'm wrong, I want anyone listening to the show who thinks that I'm wrong and wants to talk about it to send an email to us and let us know and we will read it on air and discuss Ooh, it. Audience interaction. Audience I would interaction. love to have that. I think, you know, we just talk about our own personal stories. And a lot of other people have completely different stories. So maybe there is someone working in a corporation and they're watching YouTube getting salary. <laughs> and I want to hear about it. I want to hear about you hiding in your cubicle watching YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I will I will confess to this that I work um, sometimes because part of my job is to do this mm, sort of mindless labor. Mm-hmm, I just need mm-hmm. to look at whatever I'm typing and it's there's no mistake in it. That's it. So when I when I'm doing that part of the job, <laughs> I do I do put like a TV show or some kind of music in the background that I could just listen to. Oh, I do that when I'm working at home sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I'll have like something playing in the background. But at work, I, I only listen to music and I listen to music without words. So I guess that is kind of entertaining. I just for me, it's like I'm confident that it's not going to affect my work. Mm-hmm. So I just put my and it's not even on big screen. It's on my phone. I just put yeah, it there. Yeah. But I just don't want to listen to other people talk in the background yeah. or people walking around. It's actually distracting for me. So like having something coming into my ear audio, it actually helps me. But my coworker actually saw that the other day. She was trying trying to talk to me. I couldn't because my headphone was noise canceling. So I, I didn't hear her. And he, she tapped me on the shoulder. And then when she leaned over and she saw there's a little phone there with like a TV show and she, she, she just kind of, you know, scoffed at me a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? I'm, not, I'm judgy, doing judgy. my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that way too, because I work in a Chinese environment and I go home on time and I usually, you know, what's interesting on my floor most of the folks stay there when I'm leaving on time. Mm. But when does I'm, that ever make you feel a little bit uncomfortable or just, does it make you just wonder? You know, I was, I'm going to get there because other floors don't do that because I get to the elevator at the mezzanine or the first floor and mm. I see a flood of people leaving at the same time. <laughs> so it's just a culture that caught on on one floor or something. I wanted to talk about Harvard Business Management really quick because mm-hmm. I've gotten some uh, certificates there. One of the things they talk about is when people's basic salary needs are met. Yeah. Increasing their salary substantially, at least when they're still in certain rungs of the company, isn't necessarily the best way to motivate them. Absolutely not. For people who are just making minimum wage and they can't pay their bills, yes, they need more help and they're going to be incentivized through raises. You give them a raise, they're going to work harder. But when you're making a good salary that's decent enough, increasing salary isn't necessarily the best way to motivate people. The best way to motivate people is to give them more autonomy. Let them know this is the project goal. Yeah. This is your part in the project.
project. Here's the data about how your work affects the project and what you can do, the different things you can do with your time to help the project achieve its goal and then leave them relatively alone. Yeah. If they have those conditions where they have relative autonomy and they don't have someone looking over the shoulder, which I don't, I get a lot of autonomy in my job. Mm then they're more likely to try really hard because yeah. they'll, they'll come up with their own ideas yes. about how to achieve those results. And they'll be inspired by their own ideas combined with some of the, the leadership advice from the people around them. Yeah. And then they will achieve those goals because they'll be invested in their own ideas, helping achieve that goal. One of the things that in corporate environment with people who are already making their basic salary, the worst mm -hmm. things that can be done is all of the ideas come from above. Yeah. People are constantly checked in on, you know, Elon Musk may not be the best example because he's a bizarre person. <laughs> and he does a, says a lot of bizarre, controversial things. But one of the things I think he did do or say that is really important for me is the obsolescence of the meeting. Mm. Like, I think it's important to have meetings. Yeah. But meetings should not be intruding on someone's ability to do oh their work. Oh, my God. If you have a <laughs> daily hour long meeting. That is not okay. Oh my God. Daily hour long talking <laughs> more like talking about like three hours minimum oh meeting gosh, time really? every day. Wow. I don't mind meeting one-on-one -on -one or one-on with two, with my coworkers to discuss things where it's a conversation. I'm talking about where there's top down meetings. Like, yeah, 20 people in the room and one person's talking for an hour. That is not helping people get their job done. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. And Elon thinks the same thing. He, he says that if it can be sent in an email, mm. then send it in an email. There's yeah. no reason for everyone to be in the room hearing some person wax about their ideas about mm. what everyone else should be doing when they could actually imagine you have 20 people in a room who are competent adults with backgrounds in the field that the company decided to hire yes and that's if you have one hour long meeting every day for five days a week we're talking about 20 people 100 working hours and where nothing is getting done jason just sounded you just sounded so much like what chinese teachers would say in the classroom and every every single chinese person could relate to this when you're in school in high school whatever you your teacher would if you talk to your desk mate which with which, which is what we have and you talk them to a little bit and you teach would be like, Jason, did you know that you just talked for one minute and then I have to stop this minute to discipline you? That's two minutes. And then two <laughs> minutes timed by the number of students we have in our class. That's like an hour and a half you just wasted. And that makes you feel so guilty. Wow. 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 Um, was that a math class that you had this experience <laughs> in? Because that sounds like something a math teacher would say. I guess all of the teachers in China are just very exceptional at math. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have, a, you know, this is a tangent that has nothing to do with today's topic, but I don't have the same experience as uh, you or anyone because I cannot exchange stories about what high school was like in America with you versus because what high school is like in China because I didn't go to high school. What do you mean you didn't go to high school? My parents put me on a program called, uh, it's not homeschool, but it's called independent study. So I would go ah. in once a week and have like a three hour meeting one-on-one -on -one with one teacher. This, wow. this was actually for at-risk kids who were like <laughs> violent offenders. <laughs> And drug addicts. What was your? <laughs> yeah. What was your cute? My your parents. Case? My parents looked at the school and they thought all of these kids are drug offenders and and violent people. I don't want my kid associating with them and uh. picking up their bad habits. And so my parents went to the school and say, "You make a certain amount of money. We know mm. what it is for every mm. student in this school. We could just take our kid out, or you can put them in this other program." So I would. Wow. I was the nerd already. I was like the guy that studies, <laughs> and then they put me in this weird program where I would show up at this little building where there was like people walking out with face tattoos and they were 16. Oh my God. And they were like, Hey, what's up kid? And I was like, I'm here to study and have my Aww. book bag and go in and talk with this lady who was really happy to see me because I was like, you're the only kid that actually like, does what a student yeah, does. I was, yeah. I showed up with my books and she's like, yay, did you do your homework? And I'm like, I did. And she's like, Oh my gosh. How tears coming down. <laughs> yeah. So like I actually studied at home and, uh, most for at least, or actually for two years, I went to one year of high school school yeah. freshman year and then I did two years of homeschool 
and wow. I was finished because it was like, it, it was really easy in this program. Humble brag. No, no. In, in this program, they were just like, please be able to pass this test. Please be able to pass this test. And um, the test was not that hard, you know, so for, it was like for me, minimum, for me, minimum for me. requirement on yeah. the students. But fortunately I finished school really early. So I was actually, I finished high school 16 or something because of this program that my parents insisted. I wow. Also it worked because, um, I didn't enter a life of crime. <laughs> You did not take an hour and a half just from saying something to the pe- to the person sitting next to you from the rest of the class. Can I tell another tangential thing? Yes, that has nothing to of do with course. This? I went into this little room where my teacher was, and there was a bunch of there were a bunch of old Macs, mm-hmm. the original Macintosh two, <laughs> the original Apple two, the Macintosh. Yeah, that they were just on the wall stored. I wonder why they screens. don't call it Macintosh anymore. It actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't even think anything's called Mac. Everyone says Mac, but it's not a Mac. It's an Apple. Yeah. Because it's Mac comes from a derivative of Macintosh, Macintosh, but nothing is Macintosh. Anyways, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, They were all these computers. And I said, oh, those are going to be so valuable. So I said this to my teacher, those are going to be worth a fortune in 20 years. They're the green Uh screen, like original (laughs) computers. Could I buy one? She's like, oh, let me ask the principal. Next time I come next week, they're gone. I don't know what happened to them. Presumably she thought that was a brilliant idea and she bought them from the school or the principal or something. But I just saw yesterday there is a uh, like an original computer tech like show, like a con, like a comic con, but like for computers, old computer con happening where those computers are now worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. They are. You would think that they have been phased out and they're just kind of people, rich people want a little green screen (laughs) Mac in their house to say, look, it's the original Mac. Oh, rich people. I mean, collectors, collectors, collectors. let's say collectors. So, you know, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience with your big company. Mm. How do you motivate? What are the ideas about motivation? I really super, super, I super, super agree with the pay, the, the pay raise and stuff. I mean, if you gave me a pay raise, of course, I'll be very happy, <laughs> Yay! but it's really hard for me to justify all of the extra work that mm-hmm. I put into this or Sometimes even the torment that I put myself through just mentally working at this job, Mm -hmm. it's never going to be the money. It's not even so much the promotion. Like if you do, if you put me in a manager position, I mean, I'll be happy. I know that it's going to be good for my career path. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to make me happier or make me work even harder than I am already. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The only thing that I feel like would really work as an incentive for me to work harder or make me feel better about my job is to find a way to really define the value of my work in the big scope of what this company is or what this team is. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel they're really marginalized regardless of their salary or their position because Mm -hmm. they can't really see what value are you adding? Yeah. Like I am working 13, 14 hours a day. Yes, I'm doing a lot of job. But when I think about the job I'm doing, I'm like, if I remove myself from this team. You mentioned this before earlier in the show. Yeah, it would be. Stepping back and looking at your position amongst what's going on. Yeah. So do, based on your bringing this up twice, is there a feeling <laughs> that you do want to add value to the company, of but course. you want to see how that value is translated into the product, into the end product and how the experience for users is? I think it actually echoes what you said earlier about the autonomy that you could have at work. Mm-hmm. Everybody who accepts the position in the moment thinks that this is what they want to do or this is what they can handle and this is the kind of value that they could bring. Everybody will have sort of a blueprint of what this job is. But when you go into the job and you realize you can't do the job the way you want to or your job is actually not what you wanted to do, that's where the sense of defeat comes in and then no money or no praise is going to justify that. So mm-hmm. what I'm talking about when I was when I was saying that if I could take a step back yeah. and then I could look at what I'm doing and really think about what I I want to do next and how I, if I could allow that be allowed the time to strategize the couple areas that I want to work mm-hmm, on, mm-hmm. that would be great. But the reality is every day you're kind of really just, just trapped in these daily mundane type of work. May I ask a question? The daily mundane work, work that you are doing is it necessary? Is it something that needs to be done? And if you didn't do it because you were doing some strategic mm. project, 
Would someone else need to do it or is it just unnecessary? For my situation, someone else needs to do it. It can't be taken off my plate. If it's taken off my plate, like it needs to be handed over to somebody else. Mm. So someone needs to do it. Someone needs to do it. Someone really needs to do it. <laughs> because I would, even if I, like, I can't just shake up the, the way the team operates all of a sudden because I think this makes sense. And that's just, I really feel trapped a lot of the times. And I think that's the same for a, a lot of other is, people. Is there upward mobility if you do your job effectively? And not for this team, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> As a show, we need to be looking at well, how can we help our listeners? So yes. people who feel trapped in their position, one of the, some of the options we gave their leaders or the, if they are leaders are praising them. Mm. And uh, I guess there's incentives through giving them more money, but also allowing them to see how they're affecting the end product of their, their job. Yeah. Giving them upward mobility. Mm. But I think that one of the things that you mentioned, and I guess maybe this is more my take on what you're saying than your what you're trying to get out of it is maybe a thesis for a new book or a new, <laughs> a new idea. And that is allowing people to see how their role is contributing to the larger organization. Absolutely. Especially if we talk about millennials and Gen Z. Yeah. We're a different generation. Mm -hmm. People usually we talk about being the uh, like a slash a uh, person or a slasher, if for mm -hmm. lack of a better word, mm -hmm. that's not a very mm -hmm. good word. People who have <laughs> well, Halloween is coming. I know, <laughs> fitting into the the timing. People usually have more hobbies or multiple abilities. Young people are young people tend to be more versatile than I mean. That's not fair to say, but young people tend to be more brave to go after what they're passionate about and try to some, monetize that. Yeah, some, I know some young people who went out there and they uh -huh. were like seventeen-year-old CEOs. And then they failed. And then they were 22-year-old CEOs. And, and they, they failed. failed again. And now he, I know the same gentleman, 25-year-old CEO, and he didn't fail. So yeah, some young wow. people are just like, throw it out, everything out they've got. And they. And they, I think the key is yeah. that he is the CEO of his company. He decides how things are done yeah, and yeah, what's yeah, valuable, yeah, 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 what's yeah, yeah. not. And that's the thing. Like Everyone people, wants more autonomy. Because people have their own ideas. People are more of, they value more individualism mm -hmm. when it comes to who I am in society, in any organization as a unit. So I really feel like if you're a manager of great responsibility and you really care about how your team is operating, um, and we talk about this in leadership principles as well, is that you help your team members see their value, not just saying things like, oh, you work really hard and you contribute a lot to this team's growth. Mm -hmm. You would really try to go into their specific role and look at the things they've done and put that in the perspective mm -hmm. of the team and help them see what they're doing is very valuable. And helping team. people on your team understand their value. Absolutely. That sounds like a really good takeaway from what we've talked about. You're listening to The Bridge. I have a kind of a different question. Do you have any stories or experiences of, and you don't, please don't say names or, or even try to specify <laughs> I'll try to refrain. Roles, but where people have turned off people who have unplugged themselves from doing their job effectively, because we're talking about a different, mm. because earlier we we're talking about retail and how easy it is to feel shut down when your whole life is coming apart <laughs> like yeah. because you're making minimum wage. But if someone is being paid enough and they've turned off, mm. do, like what happened? Why? What's the story? And can they be turned back on to like being motivated? <sighs> So no names, no sp no positions, no. <laughs> yeah, we have to be very vague because we can't have anyone. Uh, uh, hey, I, let's that's call, me. <laughs> let's call eggs. Um, eggs has effectively shut down from learning everything that's required for this very position. Mm. But because of how the company is set up, you mm -hmm. can't really just fire people because they're not doing their job, which sounds really <laughs> odd. Huh. Um, the mechanism well, can is. Can I get a job there? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> your job right now is better. You have to get a less than satisfactory result at your performance review twice in a row, mm. which takes over a year. Wow. Um, and then after that, if the HR do decide that something needs to be done, you will be put on a probation period. Mm -hmm. if, your if your performance improves yeah. in that probational period, then nothing's going to happen to you. Performance improvement plan, PIP, PIP, performance improvement plan. That's what they used to call it at my former job. Yeah. You put someone on a PIP because that was. Yes. Oh, I think firstly, that's what they say. Firstly, your well. goal should be to help that person 
get out of that rut. But it also serves as documentation for HR if you eventually want to yeah. help that person move on with their life. The the thing is, this is becomes very hard for the rest of the team to watch. Yeah. Because everybody else is working really hard, yeah, whether it's yeah, because yeah, they want yeah. to or it, whether they really drink the corporate Kool-Aid, like, like we say. And they mm-hmm. just that's just how they function. It's really hard to watch another person that is getting paid the same or even more yeah. who has Asleep mentally on their desk for two hours, who has mentally checked out. Yeah. You know, like even on the the document, like this person is not doing remotely as much as everybody else. And this is a team that needs everybody to put their work in to function. It's very hard to watch. But unfortunately, in some of the big corporates, it's hard to do anything to this type of employees. I feel like if your manager with that, uh, with a teammate like that, with the subordinates like that, it's really hard to motivate them. I've actually had this happen where I had someone who was my direct report and they were not motivated and I helped them successfully. I don't, I think the people above me just wanted me to manage them out. So they made me put this person on a PIP oh. and I didn't want them to fail. Yeah. I, I was You're so, the nice manager. I was so determined to save this person from themselves that yeah. I, after their six month PIP ended, yeah. I put them on another six month PIP before my manager above me could not approve it. Wow. And then my manager above me was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm giving them another chance. So I <laughs> I actually ended up making this person improve in their position and become mm. one of the best at their role in our, really? in our company. And I, I feel very proud of that because you should, I, I think I don't, that's a really good story. I, I've also lost people, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it was totally different circumstances. But, uh, you know, the goal of putting someone on a performance improvement plan should not be to find a way to get rid of them. It should be to try to resolve the issue. Yeah. And so that means a lot of one-on-ones. That means at least once a week, you guys need to sit down for at least 30 minutes and hash out how things are going. Yeah. And for the first few months, it's going to be brutal. A lot of the time, people are resistant to the fact that they don't think that they will think that they are not doing that bad of a job. Exactly. (laughs) They will think, I'm I'm not doing great, but I'm not doing terribly. It's not my fault. It's their fault. They didn't communicate that clearly to me. Yeah. So helping them see a new perspective can be very challenging. But for the people who are invested in the people that they are supposed to be taking care of. Anyways, we're a little bit tangential to our total topic. But I guess the idea for me is that I think we resolved it. We are coming at quiet quitting, laying flat Mm -hmm. and overperformance. And it looks like overperformance is a reality for people who work at a threshold where they make enough to survive. And yes. quiet quitting and laying flat and a lot of the issues of not being able to fill retail jobs are the reality is that people are not paid enough to be motivated in those those kinds of jobs, which is sad. And I hope that that can be corrected through some mechanism. Definitely. And if exactly. And if your manager <laughs> be a little more understanding, if your subordinates, if your direct reports are being are laying flat a little bit, it's probably not because they're just a lazy person. I don't want to do more. There's probably some reason reality obstacles laying in front of them that make them feel like they're just not as powerful or they just don't have what it takes to overcome them. Help them in that well, in that process. Before we go, I wanted to ask an intercultural question. Yes. Okay. So in America, if you're making minimum wage, you're not surviving. Mm. People who make less than ideal wages in China, is that is that the reality that they're not working hard? Because I go to places- No, they work, very, they work usually, very hard. Uh, we always use this What's kind of cliche difference? example. Well, I think it really just comes down to there is some space for everybody to survive regardless of the city mm. you are living in mm. like even if you're just running the a cost of living is the difference. i really think so because you it's not like everything is cheap you find things you find mm. expensive and when i'm talking about mm. expensive i mean super costly like it could cost like my whole year's salary mm. on a meal like if you want that they have it in yeah. big cities but, yeah. also, but you can also survive on also in big cities you could pay like three quid for, for like a chinese hamburger and you could mm. live so the difference is in america where someone's being paid low wages there's not maybe they're going to lose their home they're going they might be out on the street in a few months and that reality is constantly hanging over their head whereas in china even if maybe they're not making as high wages as median income they're able to still survive and live a reasonably good life yeah. so again it's about people being paid enough to live a reasonable life and that seems to be yeah. the the cutoff between you know surviving and thriving. Anyways, thank you so much for your time, Alex. As always, it's a great pleasure having you in the studio. Yes, and always enjoy our discussions. And if you find this topic interesting, please, please, please get in touch with us. Join us next time on The Bridge, where we join East and West. 
Oh, my God.